Today in the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, we have a catching up with episode with the captain, Roger Penske, now owner of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the NTT IndyCar Series, the Indy 500's most successful entrant, championship winning team owner in IMSA, the American Le Mans Series, Trans Am, Can Am, IndyCar, NASCAR, Australian Supercars. If you know motor racing, you know RP. And trying to get together here for a longer conversation, one we would record for you, spanning a number of topics. Ended up having about 15 minutes scheduled, knowing that he is usually very swift and moving from a day full of appointments. Did not expect to get beyond that. Put together seven questions for RP. We ended up getting to five and also stretching this out to approximately 25 minutes. A number of the topics would, of course, have loved to have drilled in deep, but also wanted to touch on the other items we had to discuss so let's say thank you to cooper tires the justice brothers torontomotorsports.com and bell racing helmets usa and get going with the captain roger penske here on the marshall pro podcast why don't we start off sir by talking about a rather interesting announcement that came on saturday just ahead of the gmr grand prix about indycar's new and ims's new race for equality and change program curious having read through the bullet points if you can share some of the thoughts on whether this would be a new division a new department with a staff of its own when it might go live just some of the background thoughts on how this initiative will come to life. Well, Marshall, let, let me first say that uh, uh, recently, you know, I sent a letter to all my associates uh, with my thoughts regarding you know the tragic events in our country over the last couple of months, and uh, I wanted to reiterate to them that racism, prejudice, and discrimination have no place in our company. Our our team is made up of 60,000 individuals, each one coming from a different background. And I think this diversity, quite honestly, is the strength of our team. It's given us the ability to grow. Uh, We've made great strides to improve diversity within our organization. Uh, I think the Penske heritage is really diversity along with other things and the patch that makes this so good. So when I said that to our people and with all the conversations that were taking place externally and some obviously internally, I said to Mark Miles and Doug Bowles and Jay Fry that we needed to be sure that we were part of change and support. And this really started back long before COVID, long before the Minneapolis tragedy. It really started back when we adopted a neighborhood called Jefferson Chalmers, which is adjacent to Belle Isle. Mm. And, And we as a company, Penske, Penske Corporation and its affiliates committed $1 million a year for five years to change that neighborhood. And our team has been involved in it. So this was not, uh, this is pre-COVID, uh, before the tragedy uh, 
in Minneapolis. So uh, we wanted to announce, uh, and it was interesting when we talked about it, what do we call this fund? It's easy to say a million dollars, but it's hard to say what it's for when you're talking about a subject matter as complicated and as broad as uh, uh, racial equality. So we said, let's call it uh, race for equality and change. And I think uh, I'm committed, and now that we're the stewards of the Speedway and the IndyCar series, we need to be sure we double our efforts. And unbeknownst to me that the next-gen racers were part of a program at the Speedway almost 14 years. And Coach Reed has been the leader of this, actually bringing young people, when you're 15 or 16, you're out, but bringing young kids to the track and using go-karts to try to bring them, let them understand about racing, understand about working on cars. But what hit me probably the most in the last months since I've owned the track, when he told me that these kids said to him, I'm not sure we're allowed in that place when we drive by with our families. Mm. And that was a, an amazing, unfortunate comment, which, which I got. And that meant to me that we've got to double the efforts to sure, be sure that we support Next gen. Uh, in fact, uh, we were able to hook Bubba up with that group, and they had their first event at the Speedway here a couple of weeks ago. I think it was the week before we had the, the race, uh, and he he was at Pocono, and we zoomed him in to talk to these kids. And it's interesting, as broad as we think we are in racing, and NASCAR, and IndyCar. Coach Reed said only a few of the kids even knew who he was. So that just shows you where we are as an industry in connecting diversity. So we've committed. Be sure the equipment he has is going to be better. We're going to provide him a building that he can work out of. We're going to take our dollars and pave an area that they can call our track. And we're going to build a model there that not only teaches the kids about going around a cone or driving a, a go-kart, but also how to work on them. And we want to be able to communicate what's the difference of an IndyCar. So I want to ask the teams, I haven't done this yet, but I want to get our teams, the owners and the teams in Indianapolis, including ourselves, that we could adopt one of these kids and maybe they become an apprentice at the 2021 Indy 500 where they could work for the team for that month, even they're 13, 14, or 15, but think about that. And their parents would understand that they were able to come in that track and be part of the most historic event in racing forever. So that's, that's point number one. You know, point number two, I think it's uh, mobile. Uh, we talked about, can we take this same venture 
and bring it to Detroit because of our relationship with Belle Isle and Belle Isle Park. We've got the perfect spot there, as you know, in the paddock, not running it during the race weekend. This is not a racing showcase. This is to take kids to understand maybe racing is the catalyst. You know, it's the epicenter of what we're doing, but it's more about development for these kids in the future. Sure. This lead them into a STEM program. Uh, so these are things that we're looking at. Then we want to take a neighborhood and look at a neighbor. Can we, a neighborhood that's contiguous to the speedway, can we move into a neighborhood and help in some way to create an environment where families can see that the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and Indy care about the people that live around that racetrack. So uh, there's so many different things that, uh, that we can do and, and we're planning on doing it. I can tell you that this is not just idle talk. It's, it's absolutely top of mind as far as I'm concerned. And I think with that, uh, we have a very good program. And I know that from our sponsors and other people that we're going to be able to put together a legacy that can follow this next-gen team and, and Coach Reed's vision for the future and that will be you know part of my commitment along with our team of people who are involved in indy going forward so uh maybe that's a long story to get to the end but that's kind of where i am a lot of stuff that i know you want to accomplish with this program roger and we could probably spend hours talking about it curious if uh, and i know that you've tasked mark miles uh penske entertainment ceo indycar and whatnot ceo I know you've tasked him with uh, a lot of the upfront uh, development side of this. Do you envision hiring a dedicated director and such? Uh, just curious if this is a adding to IndyCar and IMS's staff type program or if something you will ask your existing staff to manage and oversee. Well, I think that the fact that Next Gen Racers today, we got Coach Reed that is, he's been personally committed for 14 years. I think that, you know, they, they have a board. Uh, they have a board of directors, and I would assume at this point that we would work through Coach Reed directly on NextGen. And if we certainly, as we would go forward, would be looking to hire someone that would be able to support him on the operational side, and then we'd use our leverage from the standpoint of creating funds for the future. And I'd like to see ultimately one of these young kids that can move up into a ladder system where they then could become potentially a driver at the Indianapolis 500. Now, do we do that by taking someone who already uh, is qualified and maybe has to go through one level of IndyCar-type racing, open wheel, and then could have a chance to run for a team? We certainly would be interested from a Penske Team Penske perspective to support something like that. Wonderful, Roger. Well, let me get to a couple of other questions just in the interest of making use of the time that we have. Know that from an auto manufacturer standpoint, we have read of late Ferrari's potential interest in doing something in IndyCar with the next generation rules. 
know that you have spoken on that. Not so much curious about Ferrari, and I wouldn't expect you to divulge the name of the other brands, but are there other brands that you are actively engaging with so that if Ferrari chooses to go somewhere else, uh, there's still some other opportunities for you to explore to bring a third or fourth manufacturer in when we get to the new rules in 2022? Well, let me say this. Uh, Our focus has been on Ferrari. Uh, I've been in contact with them directly with uh, Matea Benotto uh, in the last few days, answering questions. Uh, they're taking a very serious look at, at this opportunity. It's an area they haven't competed in before as a team. Uh, this is their biggest market worldwide from the standpoint of the brand. And I think it could be a, a real opportunity for them and also you know, it would be a star to bring them into the IndyCar series. Uh, I think it's only fair to work at one at a time. You know, I have other ideas, but with COVID and the ideas that I might have had pre-March 21st, uh, maybe are different today. So I would say I want to take this one, you know, all the way and see where we end up. But uh, there's been lots of dialogue with the IndyCar people and uh, they've they've made a trip to Delara, so this is not an idle discussion. Now, do we have an answer yet? The answer is no, but uh, I've got this one, you know, on the front of my calendar every day. Let's talk, speaking of calendars, Roger, let's talk schedule. Know that with this year's compressed schedule, a little bit different than what we had expected, but prior to COVID, 17 races on the 2020 calendar. As you look ahead, whether it's 21 or beyond, do you see value in expanding the number of races? I know there's been an initiative to try and end the season before NFL gets up and running and dominates the airwaves. There's been talk about should IndyCar go international again. Curious what your general thoughts are on this premise, all related around growth. Well, number one, I don't see international as a as a focus or for the next couple of years, because right today, you know, we can't travel. We even had issues with drivers and teams coming over, you know, for the brickyard. And I don't know what that's going to bring in 21 or 22. So it would be, I think, uh, uh, not realistic for us to look for international. If we, if things change and there's a real reason for us to go internationally, but it have to be compelling and not just for money. In the past, it's been a way to, help fill up the coffers. I think we need to build data equity in the U.S. at tracks that we can count on, looking at the different big markets so we give our sponsors and the teams the ability to attract, you know, more revenue because of the the footprint that we would have with IndyCar. Look, I think a 17-race schedule is, is a good one. Does it become 16? I don't know that. Uh, we talked about it. In fact, it was interesting in the last couple of days, kind of looking at, you know, who are the, where are the places we've been that we want to go back to? You know, obviously, when you look at places like St. Pete, you look at, at Birmingham and places we haven't been able to go to, Belle Isle, it's Detroit, Indianapolis. Uh, certainly, when we look at, at St. Louis and we look at Iowa, and we look at some of the other tracks. I'm just these are coming off my top of my head here, but Laguna and Portland, Mid Ohio, uh, Canada. Certainly, we talk about Toronto, and 
I think you can put the schedule together for me. I don't think we should be in the time when the NFL is running. I want to get as many network races as possible. It looks like now it will be 50-50, which is terrific. And when you look at the, you know, at, at really IndyCar last weekend at the Brickyard, I think it was up 20%. The weekend was a success for all three series. Uh, I think NASCAR was up 40, to put it in perspective. And that was with NBC. So uh, I know our, our numbers were good at Texas for IndyCar. And we don't need to be up 20 or 30%, but if there's a slide, you know, that shows us going up incrementally each year, and we can go back and you know on a certain date you're going to go to Detroit, you're going to go to Toronto, or you're going to go someplace else. I think that's, that's the most important thing we have is continuity and date equity and, and a, a mix of street courses, temporary, obviously, permanent road courses, short ovals and big ovals. We have to have experienced oval racers before they come to Indianapolis. When I came with Mark Donahue, we had to run at Trenton and we had to run at Phoenix before we could even pull our trailer into the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. You know, and today, if a guy's got three or $400,000 and wants to get a car and he's a driver, he probably can come and run at the track. Now, obviously, the good news is Jake Fry and the team, we've got a lot of people have to go through, you know, rookie testing, which makes a difference. But there's nothing like having that experience running wheel to wheel, and we'll look at that on a case-by-case basis. Let me add one quick follow-up, Roger. Coming out of the first co-promoted weekend between IndyCar and NASCAR, if you had a chance to catch up, with Steve Phelps or anyone else at NASCAR about doing more of top tier level of NASCAR plus IndyCar doing more of this in the future, provided there is agreement that last weekend is something to build off of. Oh, I think that, uh, I'm not, I can't speak for, for Steve, but I think overall from a NASCAR perspective. And I think the first thing we had to do was to be able to show at least the Indianapolis motor speedway show that we had the ability to pivot from a road course to an oval and provide a, a safe uh, environment for, for the drivers. And on top of that, with COVID, we had three different series and they all came in and out in different places. The only time they really passed is when they were moving the gear from the IndyCar race into the garage and, and Xfinity was coming out. But I assume uh, that we're gonna be able to get together with uh, NASCAR and I'd like to see another couple of races next year. We certainly would like to do the Brickyard again. That would be my goal. And we're able to execute it, even with the COVID requirements from the, from the uh, CDC. Uh, I, I, think it's, uh, I think it was a great win. Number one, the costs are less. Uh, you've got more fan value for the weekend, which people want. Uh, the difference between the series the use of the road course, we've got something special there where we have road course and oval at Indy, and we need to look at that at other places. So the answer, the short answer is yes, I've had good conversations with Steve Phelps. Uh, I haven't asked him yes or no, but I would say that uh, I think with his team, we can have a very fruitful discussion about 21. Indy Lights is something that you have mentioned, the road to Indy, where you would like to see how IndyCar can help increase the car counts in Indy Lights, 
get more IndyCar teams directly involved in running Indy Lights programs. You share some insights on how you might inspire or incentivize that, whether it could be increased leader circle test days. I'm not sure the mechanisms, but I'd love to hear about how you might help bring more Indy Lights cars to the grid. You know, first, do we really have a series when we have seven or eight cars running on the track? I'm not sure that that really did anything for us. Uh, Obviously, thanks to Michael, without his support, there wouldn't be a series because he was the one fielding four or five cars. I want to try to tie it together as a leader circle requirement in the future that we would be able to each team provide a car that would be a driver that had not run an Indy car. Maybe he's an open wheel driver, but could come and be part of that. And I've thought about, is there the ability for us to take our existing Indy cars, ones that might not be you'd run the Indy 500, but with a standard engine in them without all the fancy wings with enough fuel to run a hundred miles, no pit stops. And each one of us bring a young man or a woman uh, to the track with a car like that. And we compete maybe seven or eight times during the year. It could be very easy because we have the, we have the pieces. You don't need you bring the car in your truck. So those are some ideas that uh, I'm thinking about now. We need to talk about it, but it would be so easy for each one of us to do that. And you pick that kid that's a, that's a, a, a hot rod indie or a, a midget driver, a, a world of outlaw or a, a sports car driver that wants to come. And he gets to race on a, a, a similar type car, but with less horsepower, with less wing, less downforce. And, you know, you could run the engine easily. We run our Indy engines 2,500 miles. These engines could run the full season, probably two seasons, without any problem. You don't run them at full tilt. You run them in a range that's realistic. So I, I think that is, is possibly something that I want to talk to uh, the owners about. Obviously, talking to you about it now, we probably everybody will hear my thoughts, but uh, that's okay. Uh it's a, uh, we need to take the tools that we have and have a, have a criteria that it's, it's just not a series for six or seven people. I, I think that that, we take the time at the track. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a series that we want people to come, not because they're Indy Lights or whatever we call them. It's because we got young people and we can talk about diversity and that it could have a chance to run in a similar type vehicle that we all know how to work on. And it would be very simple and uh, we could do it not at every race, but we would pick certain markets where it would be meaningful to do that and, and would, would give us a, a, I think a nice series. Young drivers from other disciplines, young women as well, which we know IndyCar certainly is in need of being more represented with female driving talent ownership across the board. So a lot of great potential here in terms of call it the senior college, the college ball equivalent uh, in open wheel racing of getting that training there. Think about it. You know, if you could, you could buy a used IndyCar, you know, for 
whatever it is, 75 or 100 grand or used one as a car owner, and you could have an engine program that was 50 or 60 grand a year, and you had to buy tires, and you didn't have to do pit stops. Think about all the guys that are going midget racing and sprint racing where they could come and run these races with us, knowing they have a road to Indy. And, and the diversity that you talked about is part of that. And that's what we got to do. It's got to be an inexpensive, safe, and a way that the people that are already involved in the series are just not clipping the coupon, but we're putting that money back in the ground to grow young people, you know, to come in the sport. If we think back to the first season of Indy Lights in 1986, it included short track legend Sammy Swindell, it included Juan Manuel Fangio II, future IndyCar driver, IMSA champion. Uh, definitely a wide array of talent when Indy Lights uh, first came to light, and your son as well, Roger Penske Jr., Super V and such. So there, there's a fine tradition to grow and amplify here. Last question for you, Roger, is on a form of racing that has been one of your lifelong passions, and that is IMSA. We're now heading into Acura Team Penske's third season on track, defending DPI champions in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Curious where you see the team heading in the future with IMSA, knowing that while you might not own it, we're looking at a similar timeline for engine possible changes, chassis formula changes, and DPI. You foresee Team Penske being in IMSA for years to come, maybe go to Le Mans. Seems like there's a wide open future for you there as well. Well, you know, I love sports car racing. Uh, you know, that was my heritage going back, long distance racing, you know, at, at Daytona, et cetera. Uh, and, and we certainly want to compete in it because it gives us the chance uh, for us uh, to potentially have a route to Le Mans. Thank you as always, sir. Great. All right. Good talk to you. Thanks again to RP for making some time shortly before things go live in Road America for the IndyCar doubleheader there. If this is your first time listening to our podcast, if you visit marshallpruittpodcast.com, you'll find more than 800 episodes waiting your enjoyment and also every conceivable way to subscribe. Thank you once again to Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, Bell Racing Helmets USA, and thank you for listening.